Thanks for tuning in to Girl Gang, the podcast. My name is Amy Will, and I'm a creator and collaborator based in Los Angeles and the founder of GirlGangTheLabel.com. We encourage the aspiring, highlight the doers, and most importantly, get real about the highs and lows of female entrepreneurship. Get ready, world. The future is here, and she's a boss. Hi, I'm Cassie, founder and owner of Palo Santo Studios, and you're listening to Girl Gang, the podcast. I feel like I often don't know exactly what to say about my studio because it encompasses so many different things, but I've sort of labeled it in a few different ways, a a sales and creative collective, a wholesale showroom, an all-inclusive showroom, a creative space where brands can sort of bridge the gap between what they're creating and reaching the audience that they want to be selling to. What made you want to get into that specifically? I actually went to school for art and design, and towards my later years, since I decided to stay in Los Angeles, I jumped right into internships, and I worked for Disney. Uh, I was at the very bottom of the totem pole um, in an art department, and I worked in production for quite some time, and I realized that it was not the environment for me. It was very stressful. There wasn't validation. There wasn't this feeling of connecting the dots that happened for me. And I thought, you know what? I've always loved fashion. Let's just jump into it. So I got an internship for a wholesale showroom, which was a world I didn't even know existed. I just went shopping. I had no idea how brands got there. And I learned this whole secret back door to the business where there were these people who were sort of like agents who place an actor in a movie. They would place brands into stores. This sort of world of booking brands was so interesting to me. I ended up staying at that agency for seven years. That's where I learned everything I know about the business. I took my creative eye from design and and fine art school and I started realizing that the brands that were performing the best were the ones who had the right assets. When I first started in the wholesale world, you could sell product if it was a good product and you had a white background product photo. Fast forward five or six years, even the buyers were so inundated with Instagram imagery and Pinterest and that feeling of scrolling through something really aesthetic that they no longer wanted to buy in the traditional ways that they had prior. They wanted to be stimulated like a consumer. So I went to the owner of the company and I asked for an opportunity to take a test run. What if we took a brand who wasn't performing, who was in the negative, and we rebranded them? What if we did their lifestyle photo shoot? We put together their line sheet. I called up my friend who was a photographer. My sister was a model. I was a graphic designer. And we sort of bootstrapped and we took a tiny budget and we took a brand that was making negative dollars. And that quarter, it was their highest performing quarter that they had ever had in the history of the brand. I mean, it was undeniable that the second you put an identity there, it worked and they made money. I knew that there was this missing link. And we could do it. We could make all of the things they needed to be successful. It was perfect. So I went to the owner and I made a creative proposal. Why don't I open this branch? I do all the creative. My assistant, who had been assisting me for over three years and could easily handle sales, she could do the sales. Let's do this. Unfortunately, she wasn't interested in having a business partner. So I unexpectedly parted ways. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So um, there were people around me that had always said, you should be doing your own thing. You have all the connections. You have all the contacts. But I remember one of my best friend's Tyler sitting at his old apartment at the dining room table years ago and him saying what do you want to do and I said what do you mean I already have a career I'm so happy he said well you know like what do you want to really do with your life and in your work how do you want to evolve and I said I want to work for someone forever I don't want the responsibility of working for myself fast forward (laughs) I was sitting in that office and I with her and she said no and I just thought I have to walk then I just have to do my own thing but thankfully I had a really supportive system of people around me who after I had found that niche there were people who around me who were 
asking me to do it and were like my friend Alessandra who had been an office manager there as well at the past agency she was making the websites and she kept telling me let's just do this so we had kind of been operating as like this freelance creative program for the past six months without even realizing it and we had even put a name to it and I didn't realize we called it CNA because I was Cassie and she was Alessandra (laughs) and we that was just how we referred to our project to keep our sanity Mm -hmm. and I was working from sunup till sundown to do my full-time job and do these side projects and we collected these clients and so when that day came and I had to leave I realized I had already started my own business it was already there I had already been doing this. I had exceeded the learning opportunities there and that's my fault for not pushing forward and that was being complacent to not realize my growth had had stopped. So all the stars were aligned and that's something I actually always tell my brands, designers, clients. The time when success will come is when all your stars align but you have to push and shove them into place Mm -hmm. and do a lot of work to get them there. But that's how it'll feel. When it's right, it's right. That's amazing that all that stuff was set up. And it sounds like you guys just really had an underground creative community almost in a more mainstream part of the industry. You Mm -hmm. were disrupting it in Mm -hmm. a way is how I would describe it. And so you guys already cultivated that community. Yeah, absolutely. All of these people not only were really talented what they were doing, they also had followings on Instagram. What was crazy to me is a world that I had never really cared about because I was so inundated in it. Like Mm -hmm. I was so in it. I never cared about people's status or how many followers they had or what they did because that was my everyday life. Everyone just had that opportunity. Why weren't we using this for business? This is what everyone wants. They want an audience to sell to. They want to create and they want to all come together and work with their friends. And so that's what we did. Um, And Alessandra ended up dropping out because she, um, instead of doing websites, decided to um, open her own business. That also forced me to say, like, okay, let me take a look at my identity and let me decide, like, what do I want my business to do and what do I want it to be called? In that moment, I was searching for what my business would encompass and I knew it was going to be creative. The day that I was thinking about what I would name my company, there was a designer who I briefly crossed paths with her and she just happened to come into my life that day and she gave me a bundle of Palo Santo and said, you know, here, I want you to have this. And I turned it over to the back and I had a little note from her that said, when you burn this, it releases all negative energy, it clears a space and it creates opportunity for creativity and growth and evolution. And I thought, holy shit. <laughs> I'm told right now. Like that that's is what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about stars aligning. You just had a star fall on your lap. Like, okay, yeah. here's the name by the way. <laughs> yeah. So I named it that, that day. So that day emailed the lawyer. I want, I want this emailed my accountant. Let's do an S corp. Everything was done. So I left my job I put in my notice the beginning of March. My last day there was March 30th. And then my business was incorporated as an S-Corp April 15th. Oh my gosh, just yeah. got it done. <laughs> yeah, and then I moved into my office in May. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it happened very quickly. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it probably seems quickly from the moment that you decided the name and really committed to this and opened doors, but that this had really been a few-year process at yes. least. Sometimes you just need to get stuff done and mm-hmm. you got to work instead of just saying, oh, maybe one day I'll just get a part-time job on the side and wait till I figure out what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You have those tough conversations, and I think that's what we all should be having, even if we are happy with where we're at, but saying what is my identity, almost making a mission statement for yourself 
yourself, figuring out what else can I do. It just opens up your eyes to what's right in front of you. There were a few people along the way that had to really push me. You know, it is a really beautiful story to kind of look back and say, oh, everything fell into my lap. It all fell into place. And Mm -hmm. it really does feel like it happened that way. But if I think back, there was Heather from one of the brands who's still one of my clients now. And I remember she called me and she said, you need to leave. You need to go and you can do this. Entrepreneurs take risks and they jump off cliffs and everything will be okay. What is the worst thing that happens? You can't pay your rent? Fine, move out, sleep on my couch. You don't have kids. You don't have a mortgage. Do it right now because it's the last time you're going to be able to do it. And I started crying. I said, I don't want to do it because I wanted to stay. And I didn't want to have to try to blaze my own trail. I was safe inside of a salary. I was so scared to leave that security. And by taking that risk and taking that leap and by creatively fulfilling myself, I you know, increased my profitability tenfold, just as I do for my clients and my brands. You didn't go into it thinking, I'm going to triple the salary. You went into it thinking, I might have to sleep on a friend's couch. I might have to do this. I mean, even Corey and I lived in my parents' house for three months. The first place we ever lived was my parents' house, but it was because we wanted to be creating. I wanted to keep my business going. I wanted to get to LA from San Diego. And to me, it wasn't even a sacrifice. There's people out there willing to help you in your process of figuring out who you are and what your purpose is in life. Just jump. Why not? And I also have to say that I was working with a spiritual life coach at the time who had been guiding me for a 30-day period. I had done a program with her. And when I first started with her, her intention through the program was for me to ask for a raise. And by the end of those 30 days that I had been working with her, we she was with me in that time when I said, oh my God. I have to leave my job. <laughs> and let's just and, say you got the raise. <laughs> Sometimes when we're manifesting, we're so focused on a specific thing like, oh, I would like to make more money at my job. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I definitely manifested all of this. It's just not what I actually pictured, but so 100%. much better. percent. I, yeah. If I look back, there was a point where I was sitting with a spreadsheet, a financial spreadsheet, and I thought, my bills are higher than what I make. What the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. And then fast forward, it was, holy shit, I have my own business. I guess that's what I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> the bills are paid. But <laughs> the spreadsheet is green. This is chill. Yes. Thank goodness. But um, yeah, to be, I mean, to be honest, I went into tons of debt and I don't regret it because that's what lit a fire under me in order to start this business. If I didn't have that financial that really high level of responsibility of increasing my financial stability, I I don't know that I would have left that comfort zone. I would have thought everything's paid, everything's fine. We can, you know, go on as usual, but I thought I have to do something. I have to make more money. Like I need to pay for my my living. That mm. I mean it's just a necessity. So that that necessity level was very high for me. I had to do it and I had to find a way. And if someone wasn't going to give me a raise, then I was gonna start hustling on the side. I was gonna start making stuff happen. And that kind of had been my mentality my whole life. And if I think back, even when I had my internships in college, I was working at a cupcake shop and babysitting in order to pay to be doing an internship that I felt could lead towards a career. Mm -hmm. And so I always kind of had that bootstrap mentality of like, cool, I can't pay my car payment this month. going to sell all my clothes, like going to work at a tanning salon. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And I think that really hasn't changed. So right now I'm definitely on a, a spiritual journey of finding a really beautiful balance between having things and not needing to have them. Mm -hmm. Like I can have this business without 
a deep-seated fear of losing it all. I can work with creative people and feel fulfilled and help these brands and gain more monetary success without the fear of what if they leave me? What if I at the end have nothing? Like there's so many thoughts that come in every day for me of what if this all stops? What if I'm not right? What if what if I can't help people? And so my journey now is to sort of take away those extremes and constantly just realign myself and just follow what has allowed the stars to come into place for me in the past. And I feel like that is constantly finding teachers. I always want to learn. I'm always taking classes, whether it be in design or, you know, listening to seminars or personal finances. I'm constantly trying to learn and be a student. And that in turn makes me humble and helps me connect better with my clients. And there's a whole branding method to my own company. So I have to constantly brand myself and make sure that my company is gaining more clients and gaining more brands and onboarding the right type of people. Because part of what I do in the wholesale realm is a curation of brands. If I bring on a brand that isn't successful, isn't ethical, isn't doesn't have a good sell through for stores, they're no longer going to trust me and then my connections are worthless. So, you know, free people is going to come to me each season and say, what are your best selling items? What brands are you pushing and believing in? And, you know, I can't come to the table and, or if I came to the table and had 50 different brands and said, here's 50, like take a shot at it. They're not going to trust me either. So it's this really delicate balance of not overloading myself with work and not taking on too many projects, but making sure all of them really do mesh like what you were saying earlier when it feels like you're forcing something and it doesn't feel right I've turned down clients when I just know it doesn't feel right for my company this isn't going to progress me I'm going to have to use you know a fifth brain (laughs) you know to focus on this project Mm because it's just not in line with everything else I'm doing so I think focus alignment learning and just trusting so much trust so much trust what's that process been like to curate the brands that you have um I would say the first six months of work I said no to nobody yeah (laughs) I had to pay my bills yes I was scared I was excited Mm -hmm. um I was in survival mode after six months and I finally had a stable client list going and I had an aesthetic that I was upholding and I had a mission that I was pushing forward, then it was sort of interesting how so many brands came out of the woodwork and wanted to work with me. And I really, the hardest thing was to say no, but I know that it served me correctly because I refuse to take on a brand unless I honestly wholeheartedly believe that I can make them more successful and help them increase their profitability. I do not want to take someone's money if they're not going to get a return on it. They don't care to just be throwing their money at a traditional agency mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I'm basically just buying contacts or that's, I could be wrong, but that's my interpretation of it. It's really a Rolodex is the best thing they have because you're outsourcing for the photo shoots. You're doing all this other stuff. They come here to reimagine who they are. Oh, I love that. I've never said that, but I love that. That's absolutely what I'm doing. And everyone's that I look at, it's aside from your studio, I follow all the brands that you ever post about or anything. Oh, I love them. (laughs) I'm like really excited to get my Wolf Circus boot necklace (laughs) I just ordered yesterday. I'm really excited. But um, all of them just have a very similar aesthetic in their storytelling. It just feels so authentic and like you're at every touch point. 
you know it's not just like okay here's this brand let's slap on this color palette that's trendy let's give them all these buyers lists at Nordstrom and free people and everywhere let's see how high they can fly or how low they're gonna go yeah it seems like you are a part of every single brand you personally every single brand that comes through here Mm -hmm. so I think that that's super impressive to be able to do that scale and still have that and figure out other people that are working with you that have that same mentality so you can just trust others the work is all very aesthetically pleasing and all aligned i'm gonna need you to do some freelance copy for my studio oh my god because <laughs> i love everything that you're saying <laughs> so down so down but yeah i absolutely love it and just even being in here it seems you can tell they're different brands but there's just something that's all the same about them thank you and i love that i think that i would define the thread between them as they're all minimal in design I think there's elegance and simplicity, and um, I didn't make up that quote. It's definitely <laughs> said by somebody else. We're going to put the quote on our Instagram, elegance and simplicity, <laughs> But I do think that all of these designers respect that ideal of that less is more, and simplicity is harder than you think. So it's letting a product speak for itself, and an, a new term that I've been using is mystic and I've touched a little bit on spirituality and I think it's because it's really hard in my opinion to operate in the materialistic world and still stay centered and grounded and so I think it's really special to work in an industry that is um, for me predominantly my brands are in the fashion realm and so it's a really interesting space to navigate when you want to be grounded and you want to be centered and I love brands like Cam and Ma- Magic and Manifest and those brands that I'm working with who have this mystic quality to them. They know there's another layer to life, but they can still have fun and have a beautiful fashion brand that's trend-driven and be really relevant in the space without abandoning their ideals. And that's sort of how I feel as a female business owner is doing what I need to do to get shit done, mm-hmm. but never abandoning my ideals and my ethics. Will you explain what we were doing again tonight? I don't want to butcher it. Tonight, what we're going to be doing is, um, I believe it's called a Kundalini Kriya session, which is a manifesting session, and it's a breathing meditation exercise that focuses on manifesting. And then there's a brand called Muse Bath that's uh, owned by a woman named Kristen, and she actually is going to be um, doing a misting ritual where she has charged crystals and mixed different um, essential oils and uh, natural elements. It sort of just helps you to focus. And to me, these sort of things are tokens. Like it's a good way to remind yourself of what do you want? What are you moving towards? So for something like today, I gathered crystals, some shells, some sand, um, some blood orange juju, put it in a bag. And when we were leaving to come over here, I thought it's so funny that I'm, I like spent my time getting ready. I love my new vintage pants I got and these slip-ons I got. But really the most important things that I hold a value are these things in my hand, which are sand and rocks and oil. And so I think it's finding <laughs> that balance of being such a lover of the fashion industry, wanting mm-hmm. to be a part of it, wanting to be a consumer in it, wanting to have a branding agency, but also figuring out how to be in touch spiritually that it doesn't control you. And even for people that aren't, fa- aren't in fashion, but just being an entrepreneur in general, not putting so much weight to money and because it will come if you let it go and you're just true to who you are but I just loved that moment today like going through my little designer stuff to pick out what I'm wearing and thinking if I needed to sell all this stuff tomorrow I wouldn't care but if I lost these rocks or sand or oils like I would just be (laughs) devastated like these are the things I hold a value 
but I want to be a consumer and a part of this world. So yeah, I think it's a very interesting dance and being able to figure out a way to monetize it ethically is something not a lot of people have been successful at and you're doing very well at that. Thank you. I love everything you're touching on because I think there is this bigger topic of doing it all. You know, like there's an app I love called Headspace. I can be a busy person and I can use technology to help me tap into something and actually disconnect and to connect with myself. And so there is a way to have it all. Like I have an incredible boyfriend who I love and I spend lots of quality time with, yet I work, you know, plenty of time and keep my business moving forward. I think that there's all of these ideas that you can't have it all. And maybe you can't have it all at the same time or in the exact way that you imagined. But I mean, today I took off my Chanel shoes, did my sound bath and walked in the ocean in Malibu, you know, before I started my day and still got everything done that I needed, you know? Yeah. Even when we were setting up here, you're like, I hope you don't mind. I'm doing emails. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is making my heart so happy. This is exactly what I want as someone that's just, just got back from Malibu needs to do emails up until the exact moment we start recording. So yeah, I think it's not having it all. It's just figuring out if we figure out what's important to us and we're willing to put in the work of the things that make us happy, deep rooted, the surface level stuff sometimes follows. Mm-hmm. And as long as we don't attach our identity to it, I think oh, yeah. it's money fun. is energy. Yeah. So it'll absolutely, it'll come, it'll go. When you trust it, it'll come back instead of mm-hmm. putting so much weight and like, Oh, this is all I am as a human is the number that's in my bank account as a business owner. Like being a business owner, I think is such a back burner to whatever you want to do. That's creatively fulfilling. I mean, I've struggled with my identity a lot for a while. I would say I was an entrepreneur because I owned a few businesses, but I didn't identify with an entrepreneur mentality. And more recently in the last few months, I've, I guess I've done what you did. I'm trying to rebrand myself and figure out what's my mission. And I just say I'm a creator and collaborator. And if someone wants to further discuss that, I can talk about brands I own or this podcast I'm doing. But um, I just, I think business, entrepreneurship, all these things that, we should be so proud of also have these negative connotations of you can only be successful depending on what's in your bank account. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily creatively fulfilling. So yeah, absolutely. It's a journey, man. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting that you, that we got into the money topic because you and I had actually gone to that seminar previously, which was about personal finance, um, specifically targeted to women about just focusing on investing and budgeting and balancing. And I'm definitely on my journey of, of learning how to possess money and not have money possess me. But I think, you know, putting together a spreadsheet and having to sit down and look at like, okay, this is what's coming in. This is what I'm allocating towards savings. This is what I'm allocating towards fund money. This is what I need to pay my bills and flowing energy towards responsibility. I mean, I've literally looked at my spreadsheet because I've been, I've been in the middle of the night, had a panic attack and been like, oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? And then I sit and I think, okay, go out and I pay a few bills, update my spreadsheet and see how it feels. And I'll go through a pile of mail and I'll find a check for the exact amount of money that I needed because I took responsibility and I put the energy and the attention there. It's just like if I were to decide that I really, you know, want to, increase my heart health and cardiovascular and if I put attention there and I went to the gym five days a week I probably would achieve that so it's kind of the same mentality if you keep putting attention there and flowing energy towards it you know it's very possible you're going to achieve what you what you want to do Mm -hmm. um so I'm so happy you brought up the talk that we went to because a few things they touched on there that are very specific to business owners and females especially I think that's so important is how women don't talk about money a lot Mm -hmm. if you're making too much of it 
you don't want to be bragging. If you're making too little, you're ashamed. And so therefore, that might be one of the reasons there's such a, a wage gap, all these things, because a lot of men are just people with more masculine energy feel. And I, I feel like I'm touched into some masculine energy and I feel that for you too. So I think we're okay taking ownership of and like proud of financial success and can Mm -hmm. talk about it, but not everyone has that energy in them. And so, um, it's just not being talked about. And instead it's just this like deep, dark secret. And I just picture someone like alone, like in their closet, looking at their bank account, what's the number, you know, having their panic attacks because we can't just talk about it. Like it's a separate entity. It's not who we are. It's just, Hey, can I get some advice? I really want to be making more money. I'm just laying it out all out here. This is my situation. I want to get it to here. Cassie, do you have any advice to get me there? We don't really have those conversations as women in business. Mm -hmm. And I think it's definitely holding us back for our individual potential. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to celebrate it. The highs and the lows. Those are both people can help you when you're on a low. And if you're on a high, you can use that instead of not talking about it. You can use it as a tool to help other people get higher. Yeah. um, Well, I think we can parlay that actually into an even bigger topic, which I would say as business advice is learn how to talk about everything. No, there's no topic that makes me uncomfortable. I can talk about sex. I can talk about money. I can talk about loss. I can talk about gains. And that was a really long journey for me because I was polite. I respected authority. I wanted to be liked. I cared what people thought about me. And it took me a really long time before I got to a place where I was like, if I hold something in that hurts me, if I don't talk about this or learn or give myself the opportunity to gain more knowledge about it, I'm never going to progress. And so as just a human being, but also as a business owner, the best thing I think you can do, you know, with, with restraint, cause you have to be careful who you talk to, but I think be able to talk about anything and that's going to open so many doors for you. And, um, I think someone like Shelby who works with both of us, um, who is just really incredible at networking I think it's that idea of putting yourself out there, being able to talk about anything. She lets people overhear her at Soho house. And suddenly she's like, I have an interview tomorrow and I'm working with three companies and I'm doing all this amazing stuff. And I'm like, yes, that's what everyone needs to be doing. Like talk about it, make connections. People want to be connected with other people. And so I think a lot of us believe like you need to do X, Y, Z in order to have a business. You need to work somewhere for 20 years before you can, you know, get a raise or whatever these old ideas might be that are in place, which I totally held to as well prior to kind of breaking free of that mentality. Um, But I think there's a lot of people, not just women, who don't know that you can do whatever you want right now. Um, I did read a really amazing book by Kelly Catrone. I think it was called If You Have to Cry, Go Outside, which I hate the title. But something that was really amazing in that book was that she had quit her job at a PR company after only being there for a few months. She left with a client, and she said that her first event that she did, she totally fucked up. And from that moment, she said, a recommendation I have for everyone is anything you want to do, work for somebody else for two years, (laughs) become an expert at it, and then go do your own thing. I waited a little bit longer and I got in my seven, but Mm -hmm. I definitely would say there's no shame in learning how to do something. Once you've got it and you're an expert at it, go on and do it. Being an expert doesn't mean you know everything. It just means you're good at something. You're constantly still going to have to learn. And like, that's been something that I've been talking about during this podcast is I'm still learning every day and growing and being open to things. Technology is changing rapidly. Consumers are changing every 30 seconds. I mean, it's, it's, I'm constantly chasing, but I don't mind it because my mindset is that I'm a student. And if I were in this sort of stagnant or static behavior 
of this is how things are and that's how they're always going to be, I'm not going to succeed. Being you know, a business owner, you have so many opportunities to change your lens for how you look at things. And so if I decide the days are for work, I'm going to learn, I'm going to expand, I'm going to evolve, I'm going to grow, I'm going to do all these things. I'm never going to feel hindered or held back or frustrated. And I think when I first sort of launched on my own, I had this idea of like, well, now I'm my own boss, so I can do whatever I want. My clients can't tell me what to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. I don't have to work nine to six. And now I've settled into this really beautiful rhythm of, I like having a schedule. I like being held accountable. I like giving my clients what they want. And, you know, that that operating within that space is actually going to make me feel more fulfilled rather than constantly having to go against a green. So I think positivity is obviously something that has helped carry me through everything. So I think as long as you're looking through the right lens, you can kind of create any ideal situation within your workplace. And then once you take a step back and allow people to teach you, you allow yourself to continue learning and understand you don't know everything. Those are when the breakthroughs happen. Those are when the exciting things happen. I mean, I even still go in Best Buy sometimes and try to get student discounts, and they ask where I'm a student, and I say, well, I'm a student of life. I feel like that is just as credible. I'm not giving any university my money anymore, but, like, I am here on this planet to learn. Has Um, that worked anywhere? It's worked one time on my most recent laptop. (laughs) That's amazing. That's a great story. Um, I just think wanted me to leave, but it did work on my most recent purchase. But, um, yeah, I think that that's where we... We really learn, we really grow, but we have to be willing to. And um, there's a lot of scary conversations that happen in there, things you think you knew about yourself that you don't know. But once you can shed it away, your career and your personal life, you're just more set up for growth because you're accepting it rather than like, I'm at a, any version where you where you start to feel comfortable or that you peak, I say run away either. Mm -hmm. Just like you said earlier, either get into a different department at a current job, go work in a different industry completely, like do something that's helping you grow because we have to evolve. Yeah. I think it was Lena Dunham. um, I read in one of her Lenny letters that she said when she had achieved a certain level of quote unquote success that she thought this would be it. But then as she looked into the distance, there was just another mountain to climb and another peak. And she realized that, any person who is motivated to constantly compete with themselves in a healthy way to achieve and evolve and grow, there's always going to be another mountain to climb and another peak to reach. And there's never going to be a final top. And so that was really a a great place for me to sort of say, okay, it's okay for me to always want more, but also to acknowledge the accomplishment because you climbed a mountain. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. (laughs) You can give yourself a little break, but there's always another one to climb. When I was writing out my needs for this, one of them was, I don't really want to be making money off of advertising through guests that I'm bringing on shows and having my audience be customers. I want to have my audience have the ability to tap in on a conversation they may not otherwise be able to listen to, especially people not in Los Angeles. They don't get to hear people like you tell your story. Um, So one of the things I thought was, let's just monetize it through a website and create a line in our mantra. And after the first week, all of our equipment was paid for. But it wasn't something where I was, I, I just wanted to put out a feeler and say, there has to be another way to monetize a podcast besides advertisements. I don't feel especially right away anyone that would even want to work with me aligns with my consumers. I want to try to do it advertisement free. Let's see if I can do it. And a week later, all the equipment was paid for. And then a few weeks later, we got to upgrade our equipment. And now this one sounds so much better than episode two. It's like, I just trusted it. I didn't set expectations. Like we have to hit it by this point. It just, let's trust the process. I think people will believe in this enough. And now 
we get to be here without, uh, we're going to stop and talk about for a minute. Let's talk about your skincare routine. What do you use? So, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, it's just fun. But yeah, when you just put it out there, it sometimes comes back, sometimes quickly, sometimes not. But um, I think it's an exciting thing to just put your energy out there and trust the process and not try to fuck with it. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. What is something, either something specifically that's happened or a task that you do and you're getting paid for that you can't really believe is your real life? Mm. A lot of times when I'm on a photo shoot, I'll sometimes um, become exhausted and think, what a long day. This is so labor intensive. What am I doing? And then I think, holy shit, this is my job. I get to be on photo shoots <laughs> with cute models and fun photographers and my friends styling it and, you know, art directing it. And then we spend a few hours shooting photos and then I get all of these beautiful deliverables that are essentially art. I mean, the, everything that these photographers do and these stylists do, it, it's, ac- it's actually art. It's so beautiful. Um, so I think getting to create art is definitely one of the high points of my business and realizing when I'm exhausted by something um, because I don't even realize that it's work to kind of step back and go, oh my God, I'm at work right now. That's incredible. Uh, One of the things that I am most thankful for in being my own business owner is the opportunity of endless expansion. If I were working for an accessory showroom, we would only carry accessories. If I was working for an apparel showroom that specializes in women's contemporary fashion that's all you're going to be representing but for me i can make those decisions i want to represent lingerie let's do it up want to represent watches let's go for it jewelry okay ceramics yes (laughs) let's go which is how i ended up actually representing a beauty and wellness studio which you actually went to the other day Mm -hmm. so one of my clients is raw which they have a beautiful penthouse location downtown an adorable bungalow in west hollywood love that's the one i went to i absolutely loved it i'm starting to go there for sure they're basically the fred siegel of beauty and wellness they have these beautiful locations and then they they open their arms to the best people in health wellness um fitness beauty and they vet them and they make sure that they're, you know, the right fit. So when you go to one of their studios, you know, everyone is of the highest, you know, quality and caliber to be doing what they're doing, but it's all under one roof. You can go to the loft and get a luxury haircut, get um, your eyelashes done, get a mani-pedi, get a massage, do Reiki healing, do a V-steam and do yoga. I mean, you can do it all. And I think that's something that is actually missing um, in especially the downtown community, which is very urban and I actually live and work down here. So it's this urban retreat. It's such an escape to go somewhere that has this beautiful, divine, feminine energy. And it's opened up to anyone who wants to come and really deeply explore and nourish their, you know, genuine health and wellness. One thing that I love that we have in common is that we are both tapped into our spiritual essence, but still are business minded. Can you talk a little bit about your journey on how that came to be? I think that I've always been open to uh, the spiritual side of life and connecting to something deeper and more multi-layered than the surface of the life that I'm living. I've had many guides throughout my life who have helped me open up to different uh, spiritual practices and different uh, areas of life and become more practiced in manifesting and ritual. And I think that one person who's recently been really influential, aside from my astrologer and (laughs) my manifesting coach and my crystal dealer (laughs) and my yoga teacher (laughs) and my barista. Gotta have a good crystal dealer for sure. (laughs) Um, 
But I would say that Kristen from the brand Cam, she's someone who always taught me that you don't run after spirituality with a full sprint. You basically ask questions and you inquire and you stay open to it and those things will find you. I actually have a beautiful art print in my room. Um, it's a, or an original work from Kristen. She held a tea ceremony for me. Kristen and I sat tea together uh, about six months before I started my own business and I hadn't really talked to anyone openly about the idea of wanting my own business and because it didn't really actualize itself until those final moments I had said things to her that I hadn't said to anyone about what I wanted and my desires and what I wanted to manifest and we were sitting tea and she does this beautiful tea ceremony that she's been trained in we sat together and had three cups silently and which was meditation and then after that we sort of spoke and freely flowed about all these hopes goals and ideals I had and what I didn't know was that she took the tea leaves from that session had saved them and then a year later gifted me a piece of art where she had let the tea leaves sit on top of the paper and soak into them and create a beautiful work of art that she framed and gifted to me. So now I have that framed to the side of my bed. So every morning when I wake up, I remember to just be grateful for where I am because there was that moment where I didn't even know what I wanted and I just let things be and I asked questions and I put myself out there and everything that I needed found me. So I do think that she's been a really big influence in teaching me like, you know, it's just like when you want to start start up a sport, you get an idea like I want to learn how to ski and you spend a thousand dollars on equipment. You go once to Mammoth and, you know, you never <laughs> ski again. It sits in the garage. You don't want to do that with spirituality. You want to ask questions. And I remember thinking crystals are kind of cute. <laughs> what is it? What is the deal with crystals? How can I get more into that? And that same week that I asked that question, my friend Crystal gave me a crystal. Oh, okay. I cannot actually. <laughs> For my housewarming gift. And that same week that she gave that to me, my first crystal, Kristen said, hey, I have a project that we're doing for a photo shoot. It needs these crystals. Could you go to House of Intuition and grab some for me? So here I am now, a week later, standing at House of Intuition, handful of crystals, d- deciding, okay, I think I'm here. I think it found me. I think I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I love it. I lo- House of Intuition is actually where I get all my crystals from, too, mm-hmm. the crystal candles. But um, that place, I think, definitely catapulted me into the spiritual journey, specifically. I've always loved just collecting rocks. I used to submit my geode collections to the Ventura County Fair when I was in elementary school to like maybe middle school, maybe like went a little too long, maybe stopped like freshman year of high school. I was always so drawn to them and thought they were beautiful. And I like just getting lost and studying them, which I think definitely is just a different form of meditation. But when I started utilizing them as tools later on, in learning more about the meanings, I realized that it's not just a rock, it's a symbol of what you want and a constant reminder, and you're allowing yourself to put it out on your desk or on your bedside, wherever you want it. You're saying, I welcome this energy, and that includes being insecure about something. So if I want to get better at something, I first have to acknowledge that means I'm not as good as I'd like to be at it, and now I'm willing to let the energy in the space to get better at it, and I would like this physical reminder. Yes, I think that's really important. I would say that I have the almost the exact same mentality as you about it. These are tokens, these are symbols, these are ways to create reminders for ourselves and to aid in meditation and to aid in focus. But there may be magical qualities inside of them, but my practice with them and my belief with them is that they're reminders. They are tools and assets that we can use to access what we need, which is actually already inside of us. Mm-hmm. 
And I love the House of Intuition candles, how they even have specifically what you're going mm-hmm. for on them. So when we want abundance or, I mean, love the money candle. And it's just like all green. I'm just like, no shame. I want to turn up this week. <laughs> Let's light the money candle and just see how hard it burns. But um, Do you let yours burn like all day and night and you don't blow it out? Yeah. Do you put it in the sink or the bathtub? How do you safely do that? Um, we just put it on our kitchen counter. Do you have any other rituals that you really love that maybe I could adapt? Because I feel like I have a few things that I do and I love learning more things because the more structure I have today and the more rituals that I do often and put in place I feel like the more sane I am and the more successful oh I love have you read the artist's way or do you know about that book no it speaks to people that just have a creative energy and they want to get more in touch with it and let it evolve and so it's a 12-week course just through a book I think that book's very powerful and a tool that you utilize throughout that is called morning journal you're just supposed to put down your initial thoughts of the day one sentence a bullet point three pages whatever you want she just says through the 12-week program you have to do this every day and after this do whatever you want but answers are going to surface and they did for me so wow that's incredible thank you girl gang for listening to our podcast if you enjoyed it please take a minute to leave a review it helps us out so much to learn more about this week's guest and see behind the scenes footage of our podcast go to girlgangthelabel.com Enjoy 10% off of all Support Your Local Girl Gang merchandise with code GIRLGANG. If you have any feedback, guest recommendations, questions, or just want to say hey, email me at amy at girlgangthelabel.com.